This is Michael Perry welcoming you to another episode of Couch and Coffee Table. This episode, we're going to do a double feature from the sci-fi series X-1. I'll be back right after our first feature, so stay tuned. But right now, here's Venus is a Man's World from February 6, 1957, as it aired on X-1. This is Couch and Coffee Table. Off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents... X minus one... Tonight, the time, 150 years from now. The place, a luxury spaceship en route to Venus. The story, Venus is a Man's World, by William Tenn. Some fellows are lucky. They have brothers, but not me. I have nothing but sisters. Two of them, Carrie and Evelyn. Sometimes Carrie isn't too bad, for a girl, I mean. But Evelyn, boy, she's hopeless. It was Evelyn's idea to put me on that spaceship, jam-packed with 300 females, and all of them aching to get themselves husbands. In the one place that's still to be had, the planet Venus. Well, anyway, 20 minutes after we took off from the spaceport, I was bored stiff. Ferdinand, do stop fidgeting and sit down. I don't have anything to do. Well, I'll read to you and Carrie. Would you like that? No. I want to do something. What's the name of the book, sis? Well, it's titled Family Problems of the Frontier Woman. Doesn't it sound intriguing? Peachy keen. That's enough out of you, young man. Why don't you take a walk around the ship? Can I go with Ferdinand, sis? Well, wouldn't you rather we start the book? You should, Carrie. Every girl should read about the family problems of the frontier woman. Keep quiet, you boy. Oh, oh children, let's have enough of that. Now, go ahead, run along, you two, and, and Carrie, look after Ferdinand. See that he keeps out of mischief. Gee, this is one big ship, isn't it? Uh-huh. I sort of wish we were on a cargo ship instead of this liner. Why? This is super. On a cargo ship, we could go climbing from deck to deck on a ladder. We could even go to the bridge or the forecastle and talk with the crew. That's silly. Why would anyone want to do that? Because ship's crews are men. Only because we women are too busy with important things like government to run ships. Says you. Hey, what are you looking at? The sign. In the event of disaster affecting the oxygen content of the companionway, break glass with hammer upon wall, remove spacesuit, and proceed to don it. Boy, I hope we have that kind of a disaster. I sure would like to get into one of those. Oh, you're silly. Hey, let's go exploring down this way. I see some portholes. And I see a sign that says, Notice, passengers are not permitted past this point. Come on, there's no one around. And besides, I'm not really a passenger. Ferdinand, you say you're not really a passenger. Well, what do you mean? You have to be a citizen of a planet in order to get a passport, right? I'm not sure. Well, I'm telling you, ever since they passed that Maldi Suffrage Act, only women can be Earth citizens. You and Evelyn are passengers, all right. But me, I'm just a male dependent. So when a sign says, off-limits for passages, doesn't mean me. 
I met a passenger, see? Keep away from that door, Ferdinand. Can't you see the sign? You and your old signs. Ferdinand, let's go back to the cabin. I want to see what's behind this door. If you don't come back with me this very minute, I'll tell Evelyn. So what? Hey, this looks like a sign o'clock. I wonder if it works by knock or voice. Ferdinand, I'm going. Say, I remember one voice key. I wonder if it'll work. 2023, open sesame. Out of all the million possible combinations, I hit it just right. The door clicked open into a, a dimly lit hole. As the door closed, my hand closed around my throat. The lights came on, and I found myself staring up the muzzle of a highly polished blaster, held by the biggest man I'd ever seen. We just stood there looking at each other for a while, till finally he said... Why, you're only a tadpole. Sir? The little tadpole. I must be getting jumpy enough to splash. My name is Ferdinand Sparling. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. I uh... hope for your sake you aren't a tadpole brother to one of them husbandless Anura. Husbandless what? Anura. Herd of females looking a nest. I come from Flatway, folks. You're a Venusian? Yep. What part of Earth are you from? And what are you doing on a spaceship to Venus? You know, the three out of four. Yeah, how's that? The three out of four. No more than three women out of every four on Earth can expect to find husbands. Not enough men to go around, you know, with the Third Atomic War and all. Why, back in the 20th century, some of our best men went to the planets. My sister Evelyn says that by now, most of the men on Earth aren't even worth marrying. <laughs> That's for sure. Those busybody on Europe took care of that. Earth, what a place. I had a belly full. Why did you come in the first place? I came looking for a wife. Women are pretty scarce on Venus. I heard that there was a surplus of them on Earth. I can't understand why any man would, would even want to marry a woman. How old are you, Tadpole? Thirteen, almost fourteen. Well, that explains a lot of things, Tadpole. It doesn't explain why you're heading back to Venus. Because I was in trouble the minute I landed on that woman's world. I didn't know I had to register at a government-operated hotel for transient males. Imagine, they told me a man couldn't say anything in court. All talking was done by female attorneys to a female judge. But I told them off. I told him where I come from. A man spoke his piece when he had a mind to, and his woman walked by his side. Well, what happened? Oh, I was found guilty of this and contempt of that. But I wasn't going to serve all those fancy little prison sentences, so I broke out and stowed away. Y you mean that you're breaking the law right now? Sure, aren't you? Uh, I guess so. I'm also a man outside the law. We're in this together. Shake, Ferdinand. Ferdinand? That's not a right label for a sprouting tadpole. I'll call you Ford. My name's Butt. Butt Lee Brown. Is Butt a nickname like Ford? Yeah, short for Alberta. But I haven't found a man who can draw a blaster fast enough to call me that. You see, Pop came over in the 80s with the first wave of immigrants from Ontario. Named all of us boys after Canadian provinces. I was the youngest, so I got the name they were saving for a girl. Golly, Mr. Butt. You must have had a lot of brothers. Yeah, full nest. They're sass. His real name is Saskatchewan. Manny, after Manitoba. And Uke, he was named for Yukon. I got one for every province and territory in Canada. Golly, all I have is two sisters. Oh, huh? tell me about them. Well, there's Carrie. She's almost 16. Yeah, well, how about your other sister? Is she a little older? She's old, all right. Evelyn's almost 21. She pretty? Who? Your sister, Evelyn. Oh, I don't know. She's healthy. She's got very good teeth. If I know her breed, she's bossy and opinionated. Well, aren't all women? Oh, there goes the dinner gong forward. You better scat. Growing tadpoles need their vitamins. Could I bring you some chow? I could stuff it in my pocket and sneak it back here. No, thanks. I've stashed away enough provisions. I've got plenty of kelp and Venusian mud grapes to last the trip. Oh, you better shove off, Ford. They'll start looking for you. Guess I had better. Well, I'll see you right after dinner, Mr. Butt. Just plain butt to you, Ford. Oh, okay. I'll be seeing you. 2023, open sesame. Ferdinand, please be seated. I want to talk with you. Now? They just rang the dinner gong. I am aware of that. Now, where have you been? Around. I demand a straight answer. Where have you been, Ferdinand? I told you, sis, around. And don't call me Ferdinand. Call me Ford. That's what Bud calls me. Bud? Who is Bud? Oh, nobody. I just made it up. Ferdinand? I can't tell you. I can't. You must. Well, you promise you won't turn him in. Well, Bud's my friend. He's a Venusian. 
he's going home. Aboard our ship, the Eleanor Roosevelt? Ferdinand, don't you realize you've been consorting with a stowaway, a criminal? What sort of antisocial ideas has this warmongering masculinist been putting into your head? That's a nice guy. He asked about you. Oh, indeed. I told him you had very good teeth. Really? Well, take me to this, this man. I will if you promise not to turn him in. Oh, no, I promise. <laughs> door has a sonic lock. I know the combination. Watch. 2023. Open sesame. It's so dark in there. But, hey, but, I brought along my sister Evelyn. She'd like to meet you. It's all right. Put on the lights. Oh. An honor, Miss Sparling. Please come right in. First, Mr. Bot, I want... It's Brown. Butley Brown. First, Mr. Brown, you realize that you are committing two crimes. One, the political crime of traveling without a visa, and two, the criminal act of stowing away without paying your fare. Golly, Sitch, that's, that's no way to talk to Buck. I take it you either have no defense or care to make none. I wonder if all the Anura talk like that, and you want to foul up Venus. We haven't done so badly on Earth after the mess you men made of politics. Hear, hear. Yeah, hear, hear. Oh, you keep quiet, Ferdinand. And another point, Mr. Butley Brown. I don't suppose you know that under space regulations, you've made this poor child an accessory. But didn't make me anything. Let's not talk law, female. Let's talk sense. I'm in trouble because I went to Earth to look for a wife. You're standing right here now because you're on your way to Venus for a husband. So, let's. Let's? Let's what? <gasps> Are you daring to suggest now, that... Now, Miss Sparling, no hoopla. I'm saying let's get married and you know it. Jesus, say yes. And what makes you think that I consider you a desirable husband? Figure it this way. If you wanted a poodle, you're pretty enough to pick one up on Earth. When you go charging off to Venus, you don't want a poodle, you want a man, and I'm one. I own three islands in the Galerton Archipelago. Good farmland when they're cleared. I got no bad habits. Outside, I have my own way. I'm passable good-looking. Uh, my teeth are good, too. Besides... If you marry me, you'll be the first mated on this ship. And that's a splash most nesting females like to make. You know, there's more to marriage than just doing... So there is. Well, we can try each other for taste. <sighs> now, me, I'd vote yes. Me, too. I'd vote yes. Now I'll cast my vote. Well, you guessed it. She broke her promise. I suppose the kiss did it. She put it a stowaway to the captain, and he sent the detail from the ship's crew to halt butt off to the brig. Well, later that afternoon, all the passengers, 300 females and me, gathered in the lounge for the hearing. It's all on account of you. Shush! Don't judge me. You promised your word wouldn't get butt into trouble. Oh, you savage. Shush! The captain is rapping for quiet. By authority vested in me under the Pomona College Treaty... The stowaway, Evanusian, Butley Brown, will be tried for violation of Article 16 to 21, inclusive of the Space Transport Code. Purser, bring in the prison. Ladies, ladies. Those cheap extroverts, and they call themselves responsible. Ladies, dear ladies. Thank you, ladies. But, Lee Brown, I order your person and belongings impounded for the duration of this voyage as set forth in sections 41 and 45. Captain, the sections are 43 and 45. Uh, you're, you're quite right, Miss Farling. Sections 43 and 45 of the Mother Anita Law Emergency Interplanetary Directives. Aren't you even going to give me a fair trial before you hang me? Ladies, I beg of you, ladies... Captain, what exactly are the charges against me? You're a stowaway. I can pay for my passage. You can? Well, then I guess we can dismiss the charges. Ladies, gentle ladies. Just a moment, Captain. Uh, yes, Miss Farling? I demand justice. You can't let him off that lightly. Besides, there's the other charge. What other charge? Assault. That comes under sections 18 through 35 of the McDonald Law. It does? Well, then, would you tell the court in your own words 
exactly what happened? Well, when I first laid eyes on Mr. Brown, he seemed to be a fundamentally decent chap, despite his barbaric notions on equality between the sexes, or worse. I was positive I could shame him into a more rational social behavior and make him give himself up. Go on, Miss Sparling. Just as I was getting over the colossal impudence involved in his proposing marriage and was considering the offer seriously on its merits, as one should consider all suggestions, he deliberately dropped the pretense of reason. Get her. Ferdinand. My name is Ford, and you're nothing but a big snitch. You promise not to get Button to trouble. Your name is Ferdinand, and stop trying to act forcefully like a girl. It doesn't become you. Miss Sparling... Did I understand you to say that you were considering Mr. Brown's proposal of marriage? That is true. I will not deny that he appealed to me. He appealed to me as, as most savage ancients appeal to their women, as an emotional machine. <laughs> Throw the proper switches, says his theory, and the female surrenders herself ecstatically to the doubtful and bloody murk of masculine plans. I'm afraid I still don't understand. What exactly did Mr. Brown do? He kissed me. Ladies, please, ladies. Uh, Mr. Brown, do you deny kissing Miss Barling? No, Miss Barling, do you deny enjoying the kiss? Your question is irrelevant and immaterial. Oh, she enjoyed it. How would you know? Well, I was right there. I could tell the way she acted. She sort of held the back of his neck, closed her eyes, and just hung on. What were you doing there? I introduced him. I met Bud first, then I took Sis over there to meet him. I see. Ferdinand Sparling, I hereby order your detention for the duration of this voyage for aiding and abetting a stowaway as set forth in sections 41 43 and, 43 and 45. And, 45. and you can't arrest Ferdinand. He's only a child. You gave me your word no charges would be lodged against the boy. That was the usual promise one makes to an informer. But I made it before I knew it was Butley Brown you were talking about. I didn't want to arrest Butley Brown. You forced me. So I'm breaking my promise to you, just as I understand you broke your promise to your brother. I'm afraid both Ferdinand and Butley Brown will be picked up at New Kalamazoo Spaceport and sent terrorward for trial. But I used all our money to buy passage. I'm sorry. You'll have to return with your brother. Of course. There is a way out. There is? Well, tell me, please. Miss Sparling, if you'd marry Brown... Now, now don't, don't, don't look at me like that. If you'd marry Brown, he would go on your passport as a dependent male member of your family. Do you think I'd marry that, that, that desperado? Why, he doesn't know enough to sit back and let a woman run things. Captain, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'll marry him! Perhaps I should be, but that's what comes of putting men in responsible positions. See here, Miss Sparling, I didn't want to arrest Brown. I'd still prefer not to. The officers and crew of my ship all go along with me. Why not? Men always think like men. They never use logic. They just rely on masculine intuition. Maybe so. This ship's crew are all residents of Earth. But our work requires us to be on Venus several times a year. We wouldn't want to cross any member of the Brown clan. They're all men of influence on the polar continent. No, I wouldn't doubt that for a second. If anyone gets in their way, they merely oxidize them with a blaster. Take Butt. He's a big man in his own bailiwick, the Galerton Archipelago. When he wants to put somebody in office, well, he just appoints them. Mr. Brown has that much influence, you say? Uh, power, actually. The kind a strong man usually wields in a newly settled community. Oh, Mr. Brown... If I marry you, would you promise to see that I'm appointed resident governor of the Galerton Archipelago? No. boy, Bart. Don't give in. Ferdinand, this does not concern you. Uh, Mr. Brown, I might even consider a county clerkship. Nope. Stick by your blasters, Bart. Show me you're a real man. Mr. Brown, it would seem to me that if you really want to marry this attractive young lady, a compromise could be worked out. Well, I could make her sheriff. Oh, no. Would the position of sheriff of the Galerton Archipelago be acceptable, Miss Barling? Yes. Good. I'll marry you here and now. I want to be a bridesmaid. Always a bridesmaid. Never a bride. I can be every bridesmaid. But we shouldn't have sold out. Why did you do it? You don't have to marry her for my sake. I wouldn't care what they did to me. That's all right, Tadpole. I'd do anything for my favorite brother-in-law. I'd sure like to be your brother-in-law. But gosh... You don't have to marry, sis. 
You've had any one of these 300 females. Why marry sis? I'm stubborn. What I like at first, I keep on liking. What I want at first, I keep on wanting until I get it. Yeah, but making her sheriff. What's going to happen to our man's world? Don't worry none about that, Ford, my boy. Wait till after we meet and go out to my islands. She'll find herself sheriff over exactly two Earth males, you and me. And I got a hunch that'll keep her pretty busy, huh? <laughs> How about that, huh? <laughs> you have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, which this month features... An eye for a what? A story of the Earthmen who thought they couldn't hurt a friendly alien if their lives depended on it, while all the time their lives did depend on it. Galaxy Magazine, on your newsstand today. Tonight, X-1 has brought you Venus is a Man's World, a story from the pages of Galaxy written by William Tenn and adapted for radio by Arthur Small. Featured in our cast were Dennis Bellabio as Ford... Bob Haig as Butt, Jerry Ann Raphael as Kerry, John Gibson as the Captain, and Frederica Chandler as Evelyn. This is Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production. Next week, X-1 presents Trap by Finn O'Donovan. Fur hunters tangle with a bottle of firewater and a new kind of trap which catches more than they bargain for. We hope you'll be listening next week at this same time. This week, the Boy Scouts are celebrating their 47th year of service to American youth. Throughout the country, there will be open houses, courts of honor, indoor and outdoor campfires, cub circuses, scout expositions, explorer events, and other special activities. This is the second year of the four-year program, Onward for God and My Country, which was launched to help prepare America's boys to live in today's world and prepare them to carry their full share in the years ahead. It's designed to give youth an opportunity to develop physical fitness, self-reliance, a sense of personal responsibility, a spirit of helping people, a willingness to share, an understanding of our government's democratic processes, and a firm spiritual foundation. On Sunday, February 10th, churches of all faiths will observe Boy Scout Sunday with scouts attending services in uniform. The World on a New Hotline. Listen for news on the hour and the exciting hotline service all day, every day on most of these stations. You're listening to Couch and Coffee Table. Our second feature for this episode from X-1 is Chain of Command from November 21st, 1956. We hope you enjoy it. Countdown for blast off. X-5, 4... Three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents... X... Minus... One...
Tonight, Chain of Command by Stephen R. This is about George. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Lives right here at the Brookside Atomic Laboratory with his family. Uh, my name is Charlie Boyle, uh, by the way. Uh, I'm a security guard here at the lab. Been here now for, well, 20 years, I guess. Of course, they don't use the lab anymore. Lots of weeds and things. And, well, I, I stick around. There isn't really any place to go. Oh, well, I'm, I'm getting away from it after all. This is about George. Some of it I knew myself, a lot of it he told me after it was over. It began, let's see now, uh, well, it began the morning after George's wife lit into him. I think, George, the least you could do is complain. After all, are you a mouse or a man? Clara, what's the point of complaining? It'll just start trouble. We do live at the laboratory. We have some rights. The best thing we can do is just stay right where we are. But it's dangerous. There's nothing dangerous about it, just so long as we know what we're doing. I'm not thinking about us. I'm thinking about the children. The children know where they mustn't go. George, I will not go on like this without a moment's peace of mind. If you had the slightest concern for my welfare or for the children's, you'd... All right, all right. I'll go talk to old Charlie, the security guard. Why not talk directly to the superintendent? Because of the complications. Now... I promise you I'll explain the situation to Charlie. He knows me. I've talked to him for over a year now. And he hasn't the slightest influence. I'll impress the seriousness of the situation on him. All right, but do it now. I will. And be firm. I'll be as firm as I can. I was at my desk in the hallway... Place was deserted. I've always worked the night shift, except for my supervisor, Mr. Adams, who was in his office down the hall working late. I remember I was sort of dozing off when I heard George's voice in my ear. Charles. Psst. Charlie. Hmm? Huh? It's me, George. Oh, yes, yes, George. Yeah. How are you? Fine. Can I have a chat with you? Chat away. I got all night. Good. It's about the trap. The trap? The one outside our door. Oh, that trap. Clara, my wife, says it's dangerous. Well, now, uh... She'd like it removed. Removed? Oh, no, George. That can't be done. Regulations? Regulations. Suppose you just removed it without telling anybody. Oh, they'd fire me, George. I see. Clara's afraid one of the kids might get hurt. Oh, mm. How about taking it up with the supervisor? Mr. Adams? Why not? Well, it never occurred to me. Uh... Why not give it a try? Oh, I don't know. Mr. Adams doesn't even know you exist. Maybe it's time he found out. Hmm, well, <clears throat> whether it, it, it might get a bit sticky. Give it a try. Well... Come on, Charlie. Be a good fellow. Haven't we been buddies for a long time? Oh, we've been buddies, all right, but... Well, when it comes to something like Will this... Will you try I... at least? Clara isn't going to let me alone unless something happens. Oh. Uh, 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 okay, George. I'll give it a try. I, I, I straightened my tie and I brushed off my uniform real neat and I went into Mr. Adams' office. I could see the light under his door and I hear him on the phone, so I knew he was there. Edgar? Adams up at Brookside Lab. Uh-huh. How are things in Washington? Mm, no, 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 nothing serious. Just want to have a fingerprint check on one of our scientists. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, number 7X4582. That's right. How's the missus? Ah, good. Now, oh, excuse me a minute, will you somebody at the door? Come in, come in. Oh, hello, Charlie. Hello, Mr. Edgar, can I call you back? Fine. Yeah, what is it, Charlie? Oh, I, 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 I'd like a word with you, Mr. Well, Adams. Charlie, I'm on the phone to Washington. Is it a security matter? Oh, in a way, Mr. Adams. Well? I, I, don't, know how, I don't know how to tell you, really. Uh, well, just tell me. Well, <laughs> sir, 
there's a mouse named George down in room 412 who doesn't want the trap outside his door. Well, that's just too... What? A mouse in uh, room 412. He objects to the trap. Hey, look, Charlie, I, I'm busy. Is, is this a joke or something? Oh, well, I, uh, I guess maybe it I is. I mean, I like a good uh, joke as well as the next fellow, Charlie, but, well, I mean, it's late and I got a lot of work to do. Do, 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 do you mind? No, Mr. Adams. Yeah, well, that's fine. You just get back to your desk, huh? Okay, Mr. Adams. Uh, and Charlie, uh, yes, sir. Yes. next time one of the mice complains, tell him to come in here and speak to me himself. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Edgar, Edgar Adams here again. I'm sorry. One of the security guards playing a little joke on me. <laughs> he came in to say one of the mice here at the lab is complaining about the trap outside his door. <laughs> you got him down Washington, too, huh? Yeah? What do you do about it? Traps, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's the only way, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I went back to my desk. Uh, George was there, waiting. I could tell by his expression that uh, he knew the answer before he even asked me. No soap, huh, Charlie? No soap, George. I guess I'll have to tell Clara. Yeah, I'm sorry, George. What'd he say? Well, he said if you've got a complaint, see him yourself. He said that, huh? Yeah. Of course, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, George didn't tell me till it was all over. I mean, really, really all over. And then it was too late for me to do anything. It, it turned out, though, that <clears throat> Clara, that's George's wife, told him that if he didn't go talk to Mr. Adams, she'd up and leave him. Yeah, leave him and the kids, too. Uh, so him and me, we, we went. And nothing negative on his record, eh, Edgar? Uh, well, okay. Yeah, excuse me a minute. Come in. Oh, what is it this time? Excuse me, Mr. Adams. It, uh, it's, uh, well, it, it, it's that mouse. He wants to talk to you. I'll call you back, Edgar. Now, look, Charlie, I mean, this has gone far enough. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. What uh, the devil have you got in your hand? Uh, oh, this is him, sir. It's the mouse I was telling you about. George. Yeah, George. This is Mr. Adams, the security supervisor. How do you do? Huh? How do you do? <laughs> ventriloquism, huh, Charlie? <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, it ain't ventriloquism, Mr. Adams. He talks. <laughs> yeah, sure he does. <laughs> well, look, now you had your little joke, and I, I got a lot of work to I'd do. I'd like a word with you. What? <laughs> sure, that, that, that's remarkable. It really... Now, look, George, you don't... George, uh, suppose I just leave you here and step outside. And... That might be best. Excuse me, Mr. No, wait a minute. You can't leave that beast in here. He won't take much of your time. But, uh, all, all in leaving mouse on my desk. Can you hear me all right? Yes, of course. What? what? I said, can you hear me? Some people have trouble. I'm going out of my mind. It's a hallucination. No, sir, a mouse. Listen to... What, what, what are you? A mouse. You know, cheese, rodents, all that sort of thing. Mind if I touch you? Okay, but take it easy. Careful, don't bend up the whiskers. You're real. Sure I'm real. Now, listen, about that trap. The trap? My wife is driving me goofy. Get it away from our front door, will you? Your front door, yes. Yes, of course, I'll... Are you sure you, you you exist? I could bite you to prove it. Never mind. What about it? Well, what about what? The trap. The trap. Yes, of course. Well, I mean, that's a security problem. Look, would you do me a favor? It depends. Tell me, how come you talk? Simple. My ancestors have been around this lab since it was built. We've gotten a lot of gamma radiation. A couple of them were used as an experiment to test radiation endurance. There were surgical operations, graphs of human brain tissue to mouse brain tissue to check the effects of the rays on human brains and so on. You follow me? Wait a minute. 
I remember there were some experiments where human brain tissue was placed in a mouse and then exposed. That's it. Those mice, the ones that survived, were my great-grandparents. Holy smokes. So what about the trap? I mean, we're nice, peaceful mice. We don't bother anybody. We don't eat much. We mind our own business. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You you say your great-grandparents were the first of this talking line? I mean, are there many of you? Three generations, Mac. That's a lot of mice. Tell me, you talk to anybody besides me? Well, I talk to Charlie. No, no, I mean besides Charlie. I tried it with a couple of guys. They wouldn't listen. These, these, these others, what do you call them, your relatives, have they talked to anybody? Tell me. How should I know? I suppose they've talked to dozens of people. Where are these people they've talked to? The mental hospitals are full of them. It's a problem, see? We can talk to kids and... You know, the odd ones, but uh, anybody else, they get scared. Uh-huh. So what do I tell Clara about the trap? Clara? My wife, Clara. Oh, well, it, it's a security problem. I think I'll have to take it up with Washington. Okay, take it up. Yeah, I'll dictate a memo first thing in the... No, no, I won't. They'll think I've flipped. Okay, I'll tell Clara. Now, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let, let me make a phone call. Sooner or later, this thing has got to be dealt with. Edgar. Edgar Adams at Brookside. Now, Edgar, old man, we have just encountered a rather unusual security problem here at the plant. Yes. Uh, oh, no, 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 nothing like that. Mice. Yes. Talking mice. No, no, Edgar, it is not a joke. I know we were joking a while ago, but it turns out there are talking mice here. Edgar, listen. Please, Edgar, will you listen? I'll I'll put one of them on the phone. Now, listen, would, would you... Here, would you just talk, please? What'll I say? Just say anything. His name is George. Hello? This is George. I'm trying to get the authorities to remove the trap from in front of my... What? Yeah, let me have it, will you? Edgar, Edgar, listen, I am not kidding, and I have not gone mad. This is on the level. In my office at this moment, there is a mouse who talks in this top-secret atomic laboratory. There are several hundred such mice, for all I know. Look, Edgar, you don't believe me, and I don't expect you to believe me. No, I don't want a vacation. Good night, Edgar. He doesn't believe me. We keep running into this all the time. (laughs) George... George, are you really interested in doing something about that trap? Have you ever met my wife? Oh, of course you have. Wait a minute, I got it, I got it. I'm, I'm going to call for a top-level security conference at the Pentagon. George, will you come down there with me, will you? We won't say a word. We'll, we'll just appear. Washington? First-class accommodations will get you the best suite in town. Do you like cheese? Do I like cheese? Can you get provolone down there? Get what? Provolone. We'll get it. All the... Provolone, you can eat. I've never traveled before. George, you'll love it. You'll love it. Chance to get away from the wife for a while, huh? What do you say, boy? You and me, huh? We'll live it up down there. Look, I know a couple of girls. I seem to recall they had mice in their pantry. I don't know. I'll have to talk to Clara. Look, look, tell her it's the only way to get action on the trap. Make it sound big, you know. You hate to go away from her, but it's for the kids. (laughs) What do you say, pal, huh? Well... Okay. a boy. Operator, get me chief of security at the Pentagon. <clears throat> Make it fast. This is an emergency. I wasn't there, but uh, like I say, George told me all about it after it was over. Uh, seems him and Mr. Adams went down to Washington on a morning plane. Uh, George got a little uh, plane sick, but he, he liked flying pretty good anyway. They checked in at the Statler, then went over to the Pentagon. Order, gentlemen, order. As a chief, I hereby convene a meeting. It's been called as a priority A emergency session by Mr. Adams, who, as you know, is security chief at our Brookville Atomic Laboratories. Mr. Adams? Yes, thank you. Thank you, chief. Now, gentlemen, it may come as a shock to all of you. It did to me. But I've learned that some 1,200 English-speaking individuals have been operating freely within our top-secret laboratories at Brookville without any security clearance whatsoever. You did say 1,200? Actually, sir, 1,207. 
Who are these people, sir? Mice, Chief. <clears throat> mice? Yes, sir, mice. I have one of them here with me. Some, somewhere. George. George. Here. George. Oh, well, there you are. <laughs> George, would you just mind stepping to the center of the table? Right. Gentlemen, uh, this is George. How do you do? Well, this is most remarkable. George is the result of an experiment conducted some years ago in which bits of human brain tissue were grafted into live mice to test radiation effects. And there are 1,200 of these inside the lab? 1,207. Without security clearance? Without security clearance. Oh. Well. Sir? Uh, Mouse? Call me George. Uh, George? George, tell me uh, what you know. My wife wants the trap removed from our front door. She thinks it's dangerous for the children. Has she been cleared? Quiet, General. Well, a major lapse of security. I'm aware of the lapse, General. What about the trap? I refuse to countenance any act that will aid the entrance of more of these spies and saboteurs into the plant. Who's a spy? I'm a mice, a mouse. Tell me, have you overheard any conferences? Maybe a few. Seen any documents? My kids play in the secret document file. It's the safest place in the lab. Have you yourself ever seen any papers marked top secret? Seen them? Heck, I've eaten them. I believe this calls for some action, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Mr. Adams, Mr. Adams, if you and this uh, rodent uh, will retire to the next room, I think we'll have a brief caucus. Yes, sir. George. Uh, okay. Yes, sir. See you later, gentlemen. Uh, listen, what about the provolone? Never mind. <clears throat> well, I think we should try to forget for the moment that these creatures are mice and deal with them as security problems. Concur. Now then, the first question is one of loyalty. I raise a question at this point. General? Are these American mice? Well, I assume that... Well, but do we know? You have a point, sir. Perhaps we ought to get immigration in on this. Immigration? I'd say extermination. Before we do anything, Rash General, I think we ought to learn more about these creatures, who they are, what their habits are, their loyalties, how much they know. Suppose this George creature won't tell us. We'll have to use every trick in the book. Now, I would suggest we first try the velvet glove. The full treatment. <laughs> George told me about the velvet glove later. He said he didn't really suspect anything at first, what with all the excitement of being in Washington and so on, but uh, after a while he got wind of what they were doing. Room service, this is Mr. Adams in 712. Will you please send up a pound of... Uh, uh, of uh, provolone. Provolone, please. Cheese. Cheese. Yes, and some more wine. Yes, fine. Uh-huh. Right away, please. They'll have some more right away, George. Can't get enough of this stuff. Really delicious. George, have a little more wine. I don't mind if I do. <laughs> ah, this is the life, all right. It's a great town, isn't it, George? Stupendous. By the way, George, those documents you mentioned eating, do you remember what they said? Mm, something about nuclear weapons. Listen, Adam, what about those girls you mentioned, the, the ones who had mice in their pantry? Oh, yes. How about giving them a call? Well, huh? George, a little late, don't you think? Oh, the night's just beginning. All right, George, I'll give them a little call. Six. <laughs> yeah, my memory serves. Hello, Gail. <laughs> My memory, sir. Bob Adams. Hi. Just just down on a quick business trip. Uh-huh. How tricks, Gail? <laughs> no, 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 not a thing. By the way, did you still have mice? Mice. Yeah, but... You, uh... You exterminated... Oh. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. I... No, I don't think I'll have time this trip. I just... Wanted to call you up, say hello. <laughs> yeah, maybe next trip. Fine, my dear. So long. What'd she say? Uh, unfortunately, the superintendent has a cat. I see. Wiped out? Wiped out. 
That's something I want to take up with my congressman before we leave town. We'll do that, George. George, have another sip of wine. Won't mind if I don't. That's it. Now then, George, about those documents... Oh, you stop about documents. I thought we were in town for a good time. We are, we are. Well, round up a couple of mice, man, and let's get with it. Mice, I'll, t- I'll tell you I'll tell you what, George. You wait here, I'll go out, and I'll see what I can do, okay? Okay, but make it savvy, huh? I'm raring to go. <laughs> Next morning, Adams woke George and told him they were scheduled for another conference at the Pentagon. George. George, wake up, huh? Oh, what a head. Come on, come on, George. We're due at the Pentagon. Easy. Don't talk so loud. Wow. Where did you get those white mice last night? Over at the National Research Lab. Ooh. They must have been feeding those girls wheat germ. All right, come on, come on, George. Come on, you can sober up in the taxi. Come on. All right, George, we've been beating around the bush long enough. Who are you? I've told you, I'm a mouse. My name is George. I live in a hole at the Brookville Atomic Laboratory. We know all that. We want to know who's behind Nobody's you. Nobody's behind me. Listen, you guys don't have to be afraid of me. I'm only a mouse. It's the perfect fifth column, the ultimate weapon. Do you realize that you and your family are living inside a secret government installation without any security clearance whatsoever? I'm willing to be investigated. How do we know you aren't an agent for a foreign power? How do we know you aren't an agent for a foreign power? Preposterous. It'd be the perfect fifth column. Gentlemen, I will not remain here to be insulted by this creature. And I will not be insulted by you, sir. Gentlemen, good day. No, no, George, wait, come back. Where George, is it? Where he is went it? that George, way. Wait. Get him up. George. He's going into the wall. Kevin, too George. late. He's gone. Oh, man, this is it. We'll have to decide on a course of action. We've got to recapture him. Look, I, I think the first thing to do is get a cat. He's too smart for a cat. Well, something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. After all, these creatures have access to every secret file in the country. Not to mention eavesdropping on our private lives. The thing that bothers me is, gentlemen, they multiply in another three generations. There will be some 12 billion talking mice, six times the human population of the Earth. It's no matter for pulling around. Kill or be killed, gentlemen. The problem there is how. We have reason to believe they're concentrated in Brookville. I say evacuate all humans and blow up the plant. Use the H-bomb if necessary. I'm afraid you're right, General. We must exterminate. I'll phone Strategic Air Command and alert them. SAC, please. Hello, Bell. This is Ed. Listen, fuel up a couple of big ones. No, nothing serious. But we may want to use them in the near future. Just stand by. That's all. I'll call Chemical Warfare. Get the best information on exterminating rodents. Hello? Hello? That's funny. He's gone dead. Hello? Hello? Something is wrong here. Sounds almost as if the line had been cut. Adams got an alarm for that mouse. Well, that was only the beginning, of course. Things began to happen pretty fast right after that. You bet your sweet satchel they did. Well, Adams? Yeah, I've been talking to Edgar. The FBI has located several hundred field mice, all of them non-talking. No trace of a mouse corresponding to our description of George. Team of secret servicemen been combing the Pentagon and the White House. We've got 1,500 traps baited with imported provolone in the Senate chambers alone. So far, no luck. What about cats? The American feline fanciers have volunteered 100 mousers. Oh, good, good. Uh, Any more telephone wires cut? I'm afraid so, Chief, yes. We... He managed to gnaw through the private wire from the president's suite to the Pentagon. Oh, I see. We've got it spliced. What about the top-secret file on that new chemical warfare agent? Is there any trace of that? They found the file, but he managed to chew out the key symbols. I'm afraid it's useless. Well, keep tracking him down. Yes, Sooner sir. or later, we'll get yes, him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Only one thing, Well, what's sir. that? I hate to mention it, really. Well, go on, ma'am. Well, sir, the damage has appeared in such widespread places recently... Well, go on, that, go on. That, that, well, there must be more than just George. In fact, we're afraid he has reinforcements right here in Washington. But that's impossible. How? I don't know how, sir, unless... Unless what? Unless... Well, it seems, sir, that there were a couple of female white mice from the National Research Lab. You mean... Yes, sir, I'm afraid so, sir. (laughs) 
guess maybe you know the rest. Within a couple of weeks, every cable, telephone line, power line, every telegraph line in the United States had been cut. Also the wires on every plane, tank, train, and ship. They'd also destroyed every file in the country. That was only a month ago. Well, you can guess what's happened. Most everybody has left this part of the world. In this whole atomic laboratory, I'm the only human. And I'm not so sure I'll be around much longer. Yes, sir? The only woman. Not that they, they, they need a security guard, but, well, I'm, I'm just used to being here. Psst. I wouldn't know where to go. Psst. Charlie. Uh, wait. George. George, is it you? That's right, Charlie. Well, you look awful. Where have you been? Well, I was down in Washington, Charlie, about the traps, remember? Oh, yeah. That was before all the trouble started, over two months ago. Well, what you been doing all this time? Well, you know, we've been pretty busy protecting ourselves, cutting the lines and stopping transportation and such. Uh, I figured it, it was the mice done it, yeah. Yeah, we didn't like it, but it was them or us, so we did it. Hmm. Well, how come you look so terrible, though? Well, we stopped the trains and the planes, you know, so well, I had to walk back. That's one heck of a walk for a mouse. Like I said, this is about George. You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine. Your announcer, Fred Collins... X-1 was an NBC Radio Network production. That's going to do it for this episode. We hope you'll continue to stop by and listen in. Until next time, this has been Couch and Coffee Table.